Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Pesticide-free crop production, is it science or is it science fiction? Joining us to discuss the question is John Perry, Agronomic Services Team Manager with Simplot Grower Solutions. John has 46 years of experience in the pest management profession. And before joining Simplot, he had a 26-year career with Mobay Miles Bayer Bayer Crop Science. Thank you for being with us, John. Well, thank you for having me. John, consumers have demanded and they've gotten antibiotic-free meat. Calls have also been building for pesticide-free crop production. Is that realistic? I don't know that it, it would be realistic. We've, you know, we have many organic growers that utilize organically certified products. They are pesticides. Even though they're organically approved, they are pesticides with various insects, diseases that we have in our, in our especially our fruit and vegetable crops that we grow. I doubt that it's going to be totally uh, anti-pesticide. Um, just for speculation's sake, if we were to come up with a pesticide-free crop production method, what trade-offs would that involve? What would we lose? What might we gain? That's a big question. Um, some trade-offs could be uh, lower production. That would be possible. I'm not saying that that would happen because I think we do a lot of things today that are environmentally friendly that we're actually increasing yields with the tools that we're developing. But it's that outlier, that insect that you don't count on that plops in or that disease that shows up because of a climate difference or an introduction from outside, you know, all of a sudden. Those are the things you can't count on. So So a lot of variables out there. Exactly. A lot of variables. Well, we've heard predictions that the global biopesticide market is going to double within the next five years. What are biopesticides? And if you agree with those predictions, what's driving that growth? There are several things. I agree with that statement. I think it's going to grow faster. Hmm. And there's several reasons. One is the regulatory realm that we deal with. Government agencies, are they have uh, some of the harsher chemicals, harsher pesticides, with a bullseye on it. So they go about it in various manners, reducing the, the crops that are registered on it is one method that they use. But even more importantly, the, the big companies, the, the major companies like uh, the Bayers of the world, they are looking at these products for a couple of reasons. One is sustainability, that it'll be a sustainable type product for their company, but also the cost of bringing those biological products to the marketplace is much lower than the traditional pesticides. Today, it's about $300 million to bring a new insecticide or fungicide or herbicide to the marketplace. With a biopesticide, it could be only $25 million. So there's a huge cost difference. And then, of course, you have the acceptance by the regulatory organizations too. So We're operating under twin imperatives these days. One, grow enough food to meet demand and feed the world, and also grow it in ways that make it as safe as possible for human consumption. These are often in conflict. Are we getting any closer to figuring out a way to make them work in harmony? You know, that's a tough one because we deal in specialty crops in California. 
And a lot of our acres, and we also have issues that we deal with at the same time, acres are being reduced because of housing, especially in our coastal areas where we grow or 80 to 100 years, we've been growing our key vegetable crops that are fresh market crops, uh, those that you buy in the store. And then the acres that we have available to us, because of that 80 to 100 year realm, we have diseases that have established themselves that are identified with those crops. So they, they like to feed on those crops. So we have those kind of issues. Um, Probably the biggest thing is, is the competition for water in California. Uh, it's estimated in 2020 that we're going to have 40 million as a population base. 90% of that population is in four key population areas. Uh, agriculture is not one of them. Agriculture is going to take not even a second tier position, maybe a third tier position, because you have water for people, water for environmental reasons and then water for agriculture. So water's gonna be the driver for us more than anything else. So we have to become more efficient on how we use it. The crops that we have have to be of a high value so that we can afford that water because it's gonna have a, a higher cost to the agriculture. So yeah, water is the driver and um, that's what I see in the future. And do those drought conditions, and, and there have been drought conditions, uh, do they, impact uh, the crop from a pest perspective? In other words, do they weaken the crop's ability to fight off? It's more the opposite. If we have a wet year, then we, ha we will have larger populations of insects or diseases or weeds than a, a drought year, per se. Drought years, it's, it's more about having enough water <laughs> to grow the crops to stay sustainable in the marketplace. Because you have an infrastructure that you have to deal with also. So if, if you have a cannery or several canneries that are running at a certain capacity and you don't have the crop for that cannery, take tomatoes, uh, then all that infrastructure is impacted. And then you have labor. That's the other side. If you're not growing the crops and you have a certain labor pool, if you're not there, they're going to move on to where they can earn a living. So... It is pretty complicated on what we deal with. So I guess I went in a roundabout way of answering your question, but uh, drought is probably, there's less effect on pests than a wetter year. So wetter years, yes, we can have that impact. You have to stay on top of trends in the science, in the marketing, in the, uh, the conditions on the ground in the pesticide realm. Are there certain trends that you are following right now that are particularly important? Yes. Diseases, uh, soil-borne diseases are going to be more and more because of our irrigation practices with uh, low-pressure irrigation drip or microsprinklers. Um, it seems to um, exacerbate the problem. And at the same time, our growers, because of the cost of doing business and they're trying to extract the most money they can out of that crop as soon as possible, because with almonds, it takes four to five years for full production. Pistachios, eight to nine years. Walnuts, seven to eight years. So we, uh, the growers are pushing them really hard. So they're, they're really pushing those, those trees to grow quicker. They want to crop earlier, uh, that type of thing. So what that does is that puts pressure on the, soil, the root system. 
And so our goal as a company in the last three or four years now is to really focus on the root system, get the, mo- the healthiest root system we can. That means overcoming diseases, uh, overcoming salt conditions in the soil that we bring with our irrigation water that we're pulling up from down deep. Uh, it's not always the best water. So we, we have all those parameters that we have to deal with. But that, to be the, as productive as possible on lesser acres, and that's what happens, that's what you have to do. You have to have a good, strong root system to overcome those problems. John Perry is Agronomic Services Team Manager with Simplot Grower Solutions, and we thank you for being with us, John. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture. future.